0: Great to be back and sharing with you again this morning, and uh, we are blessed to have been in this church for the period of time that we have been, as Mark shared earlier, gotten to know a number of people and enjoyed the fellowship. The power of words is our sermon this morning, our message from God's word. Um, As we look at the book of Proverbs, and we've seen the introduction, that it's a book about wisdom and in the book there are so many different themes and today the theme is words. In America when we lived there for six years, we lived in one of the safest towns in America it was uh, regarded as such, but even so uh, there was danger. Um, We had uh, one person in the church sitting up the back, a guy who had a concealed weapon. He still does that every Sunday. He has a concealed weapon just in case. And a couple of times we had marriage breakups and the, uh, one, one occasion in particular, um, the, the uh, ex-husband the, was very aggro and he uh, came to the church knowing that his wife, uh, separated wife, was going to be there and we, she told us that he carries a weapon in his car. So uh, when he came in, uh, the guy with the concealed weapon sort of moved into a strategic place just in case. Um, and we don't know what it's like living here. It's just amazing. But concealed weapons are real. And um, in America, like you're told, if you don't have a weapon, don't tell anyone because you become a target. But we live in Australia. We, however, all have a concealed weapon. It's our tongue. In Proverbs 12, verse 18, we read, Rash words are like sword thrusts. But the tongue of the wise brings healing. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Death and life in the power of the tongue. More times than any other theme through the book of Proverbs, the whole idea of the tongue or words occurs more than any other theme 150 times. That was important to those wise men who observed life back then and who observe life today. So first of all, the power of the tongue, uh, the power of our words for evil. How many of us have been hurt deeply, cut to the heart by words that have either been spoken to us or that we've heard spoken about us when we weren't there? It really hurts. As I read earlier, the the tongue has the power of life and death. It's estimated that over 60 million people were killed in the Second World War. And it started with the, the speeches of Adolf Hitler. He roused the nation together and they followed him because of his tongue. And then he had inflammatory speeches that caused them to go to war against the Jews and against the other neighbouring countries. And praise God, he was stopped in his tracks as we're praying that the same will happen to Putin today as he and his nation is uh, uh, going against uh, the much smaller and less powerful nation of um, Ukraine. But this man, Adolf Hitler, caused 60 million or more deaths initially and really sourced from his tongue. Proverbs 6, verses 16 to 19, there are six things God hates, hates. And that are an abomination to him. Three of them are the tongue. Three. Half of them. One is a lying tongue. A false witness who pours out lies. And a man who stirs up dissension. God's evidence of us being sinners. Needing salvation is found in Romans chapter 3. The book of Romans is the gospel and it starts from the beginning and starts and shows how we are sinful. Therefore, we need a savior. And then it presents Jesus as the savior and how he saves us. And so it's, it's really just the gospel, the good news, the message of life. But it shows, first of all, that we are sinners. And so when Paul is writing to the Romans saying, I want you to know that you are sinners. and We're all sinners. And we need salvation. He quotes... Romans 3, 10 to 18. There is none righteous, no, not one. All of us are sinners. Their throats are open graves. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps or the poison of, 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 of vipers is on their lips and their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. <laughs> That's his evidence. He didn't say, oh, you know, they do terrible things. They hurt somebody with a, a bat or they... they um. Uh, drive too fast and and run into somebody, he talked about the tongue as proof that we are sinners needing salvation. When you go to the doctor, the only person who says, stick out your tongue. Stick out your tongue. And I looked it up and I found that there are so many diseases and conditions that can show evidence on the tongue you know, a red tongue or a white tongue or a stripy tongue or a whatever, uh, they all indicate something that's going on deeper down inside of us. And so our tongue reveals something that is much deeper inside of us. For it says, Jesus says, out of the outflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So power, the power of our words for evil. First of all, the power to hurt, the power to Wound and destroy others. Reckless words pierce like a sword. We were on a video call with somebody some time back and when it was all over, they, we, we uh, were going to turn it off and they didn't turn theirs off and they turned to one another and said some things that really hurt. And all the conversation before that positive as it was, was totally thrown out the window when we heard what they said to each other privately, not realising that they hadn't turned off their microphone and their, their video. And it hurt. It deeply hurt us. But it revealed where they were at. We all carry, as I say, a, a concealed weapon and it can do in, 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 in irreparable harm. Sticks and stones will break my bones is that naive and untrue saying. Sticks and stones will break my bones, but names will never hurt me. Rubbish. Words hurt me the most. Jesus said, You have heard, you shall not kill or murder. Thou shalt not murder. But I say to you, and among the things he said, is if you call anyone you fool, you're liable for hellfire. And the people of Jesus' day who, was, who were listening to him, I mean, if he'd said you were murderers, I was like, what? We don't murder? He said, you call someone you fool you. Derogatory and, and uh, uh, insulting words that you use for a person is the same law that is broken of God's law, you shall not murder. You're breaking the same law. You're guilty of the same sin. And and so in in Matthew 12, he says people who have uh, will have to give account on the day of judgment for every careless word that they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you'll be condemned. It's serious stuff. The power of our words for evil, the power to hurt. Um, by the uh, causing quarrels. A perverse man, it says in 1628, a perverse man stirs up dissension and a gossip separates close friends. And without wood, a fire goes out and without gossip, a quarrel dies down. And the power to hurt yourself. So when we use words, um, we actually can end up hurting ourselves. An evil man is trapped by his sinful talk. Somebody said, some people's tongues are long enough to hang themselves with. (laughs) I thought that was good. I put that in there. I like that. Not only the power to hurt, but the power of the uh, tongue for evil um, is the power to influence. That is gossip. The word gossip in Hebrew, in the Hebrew language, uh, when it was first written in the Old Testament, the word gossip means gossip. Whisperer, somebody who whispers spreading stories which are damaging, saying things that hurt. Trading in half-truths, sometimes distorting the truth or exaggerating the truth or innuendos like saying, our family doesn't waste time watching TV. Pierre Marivaux said, some people will believe anything if it is whispered to them. Proverbs 18.8. The words of a gossip are like choice morsels. What's a choice morsel for you? Is it Kentucky fried chicken? Or is it a big hamburger? Or is it um, ice cream? Something that's a choice morsel is... You delight in it. You take it down and you enjoy it. Words of a gossip are like choice morsels. They go down into a man's innermost parts. It becomes real in your life. It affects you and the way you deal with other people because of the gossip. It destroys friendships. Uh, A a gossip separates close friends, it says in 1628. And it ruins the reputation of others. Um, In Shakespeare's Othello, uh, we read these words, He who steals my purse steals trash, but he who steals my name steals something that has no value to him, but it is of inestimable value to me. We should avoid those who gossip. A gossip, it says in 2019, A gossip betrays a confidence, so avoid a person who talks too much. A young woman uh, fell out with her father one day, and uh, they lived in a little town, so she spread gossip about him that was partly true, but it wasn't fully true. And the whole town became aware of this, and it got back to the father. And he was deeply hurt. And he called her in and, and she said, oh, I didn't realise it was going to cause so much hurt. And she said, I'm so sorry, Dad. Would you forgive me? Uh, what can I do to help set things right? Is there anything I can do to sort it out? He said, all right, thank you, love. I appreciate you saying you're sorry. But similar to the um, object lesson we had earlier, he said, I tell you what I'd like you to do. I'd like you to take that pillow that we don't use anymore. It's a feather down pillow. and I want you to go out into the streets and I want you to open it up and throw the feathers everywhere down through the main street of of the town. Really? Yeah. And when you finish doing that, come back. So she went down, took the feathers and threw them out everywhere as she walked along. Came back to the father, said, Dad, I've done it it says, all right, now I want you to go and collect all those feathers and bring them back to me. But that's impossible. Exactly. Gossip need never go any further than you or me. And so there's a, there's a proverb about that too. It says, Proverbs 17 verse 4, A a wicked man listens. It's not just speaking, it's listening. To evil lips, a liar pays attention to a malicious tongue. And then the slander, and not just gossip, but the slander. Uh, With his mouth, the godless destroys his neighbor. That is saying something about someone else that's going to really hurt and damage them. James chapter 3, we had read to us and how powerful that passage is. If he says in that passage, you can control your tongue, you're perfect. Uh, In other words, it it reveals you're a sinful person, but if if anyone has the power to control their tongue, that that means you're perfect because that's the most difficult thing to hold and control. He said... How great a forest fire is set ablaze by a small spark and the tongue is a fire. Our daughter and her husband and three boys lived in California and we were flying home in 2019, uh, left Indiana and flew into LA and went to stay with them for a week or so before flying back home here. Just prior to our going, there had been huge bushfires, we call them, um, wildfires as they call them over there, in in southern California and in northern California. But the ones that affected our daughter were down there. And apparently it was started by a branch because there were strong winds. A branch blew off a tree and landed on a, a power line's and caused a spark, and it dropped down, and the whole area of like 9,000 acres and homes and businesses were destroyed because of that one spark. The power of the tongue for evil. Not just power to hurt and power to influence, but also power to corrupt, Uh, to speak lies. The tongue is used to to speak lies. The Lord detests lying lips, it says, but he delights in men who are truthful. You can tell the truth and tell a lie at the same time. The captain on the ship wrote in the log, the first mate was drunk today. The next day he came up and saw that the... Um, first mate had been in charge of the boat overnight and he saw what the first mate had written in the log and it was this, the captain was sober today. That's truth. But it's a lie, it's communicating a lie as if, of course, he was normally drunk. So the power to corrupt, not just to speak lies but to flatter, which is really a form of lying. To flatter is is, is, as it says in Proverbs twenty six twenty three, like a coating of glaze over earthenware are the fervent lips of an evil heart. Like the coating, the glossing, glossy pretense of being nice, but really there's a dagger in there. It's, it's evil. The power of evil words. But now we look at the potential of, of our words for good. We've seen the negative, now the positive. Marg and I went to a Bible conference um, many years ago where the late Howard Hendricks from the Dallas Theological Seminary was one of the speakers at the conference. And he told the story, he said, when I was a kid at, high, at, at a primary school, elementary school there, that, that we... Um, I I was a bad boy. I was always in trouble, always getting detention, always having to write up on the blackboard, you know, I shall not do this again About 50 times or whatever. He was always getting into trouble. At the end of that year, he went home and it was all through the summer and then they started the new year and he went to a new class with a new teacher. And after the first day at class, as the kids were dismissed, they all went but the teacher said to Howie, Come up here, Howie. I want to speak to you. And this teacher said, Howie, I've heard that you were a bad boy in, in, in re- recent classes last year and so on. And, and I've heard that you've been in a lot of trouble. Do you know what? I don't believe it. You do. you're, a, you're a good boy. And I know that you're going to be a good boy. You, you are really good. I know you are. And, and I, I just won't, I don't believe what those people are saying. I'm dismissing, it. I'm not even thinking about it because I know that you're a good boy. Howard Henrik said that turned him around. Those words turned him around so that that year he really tried to impress and please his teacher to the point where next year he did the same and the next year he went to university he became um, a doctor of theology and he became a well-known and applauded teacher of the word and lecturer at the Dallas Theological Seminary for many years. Turned around by the words of a teacher. Positive words. Words with life. Proverbs thirteen fourteen: the, the teaching of the wise is a fountain of life. Turning a man from the snares of death. And I was an evangelist for many years, preaching the gospel all around the place. And it was such a joy to sit down beside someone who had come forward at a crusade meeting or summer outreach or something like that, or just in, in other outreaches that we did, to sit down with somebody who wanted to know how to get right with God, to sit down and share them. Words of life. That though they are sinners, Christ died for them. That's words that we're communicating. And that by trusting in him, they can have eternal life, be forgiven of all their sins and be assured of a home in heaven. Just words, but words that transform them when their words were met by faith. As it says in Ephesians 1. When you heard the word of truth, the gospel, the good news of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. You were born again. You became a child of God. You had eternal life. You have forgiveness and all the rest, in other words. To heal wounded spirits, power to heal wounded spirits. The tongue of the wise brings healing. To encourage. Oh, my wife's an encourager. She loves to encourage people. And I know there's a, a, a church full of encouragers here. We've experienced it. An anxious heart weighs a man down, but kind word cheers him up. And to build up the lips of the righteous, nourish many. And finally, the prudent use of words. The power of words for evil, the power of words for good, now the prudent or the wise use of words. And very quickly, first of all, at. At means appropriate. Um, To say the right words in the right way at the right time. What we say is important but the way we say it is also important and the timing of our saying it is also important and it all goes together the right words in the right way at the right time uh, two proverbs that back that up first of all 1523 tw- a man who finds joy in giving an apt reply and how good is a timely word R- the right time apt the right words, at the right time. And then uh, in 25.11, a word aptly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver. Uh, we uh, like watching Bargain Hunt on TV and uh, see them take these little things that are not, don't look much, but they're worth a lot of money. And, and, and um, you, you see that a brooch or something that's got a, uh, apples of gold and settings of silver so that uh, it, it makes it uh, the gold apple by itself wouldn't be all that great but when it's in the settings of silver it's, it's just appropriate and, it, and, it, and it's beautiful and so he's saying your, your words are to be like that aptly spoken like a precious jewel in a setting of silver so that it shines it out more makes it look even greater um, apt but also honest to speak the truth. The kings, kings take pleasure in honest lips. They value a man who speaks the truth. An honest answer is like a kiss on the lips, it says in 24 26. And then restrained. He who guards his lips guards his life. He who speaks rashly will come to ruin. How we need to guard and we want to respond and we think no. Let's guard our lips. Let's think about this. Let's, even a fool is wise, a thought wise if he keeps silent, says in 1728, discerning, uh, and discerning if he holds his tongue. Next is gentle. Wise speech is gentle. To be calm. A gentle answer turns away wrath. And when somebody's angry and coming at you with their verbal abuse, for you to respond in the same way, um, and we're all so guilty, I certainly am of this, that I can so easily respond Negativity with negativity. Uh, and so, to a gentle answer, turns away wrath, not just verbally, but online. A fool gives full vent to his anger, but a wise man keeps himself under control. And lastly, thoughtful. A wise person listens carefully and weighs the answer. 1813 says, He who answers before listening, that is his folly and his shame. Now, I've got the same acrostic that, that we had earlier, but it's got a, the middle word is different um, informed. So, either way it goes, but it's a great acrostic to take with you. Is it true? When you want to say something to someone and you think, no, I better be careful, then think, is it what you want to say, is it true? But not only is it true, is it helpful? Or is it going to do more harm than help? Is it informed? Do I really know where that person's coming from? Have I thought it through? Why are they speaking like that? Why are they acting like that? I need to put myself in their shoes. Is it informed? Maybe I need to check things out a bit. Is it necessary? Do I really need to say it? And is it kind? In Galatians 5.22, we need to apply this verse to the tongue. It applies in every area, but to the tongue. So applied to the tongue, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness goodness, faithfulness, and gentleness, and self-control. That's the role of the Spirit, to control us. Fill us means control us, meaning controlling our tongue. Let's pray. Our Father, we all uh, stand, I'm sure before you guilty of not controlling our tongues at times as we think back even this last week or the last month or the last year and our whole lives. We admit, Lord, we need your grace and your power and your prompting to be wise, not foolish with our tongues. So help us We pray through Jesus Christ alone.